0: All right, today we have as a guest minister, Michelle DeWitt. She is a youth advocate, and she has an organization called Unbreakable Faith. And I'm really interested in hearing her story today and uh, learning about what she has to teach us. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, no (laughs) problem. Thank you for coming. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, Well, again, I am Michelle DeWitt. I am the mother of six. We're a blended family. They call us the Brady Bunch. I have three boys and three girls. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also married, a very happily married woman. My organization is called Unbreakable Faith. Uh, We are a mentorship organization that help out youth and young adults that have been through sexual trauma um, and have also been through domestic violence. Um, as teenagers. Uh, I do have a book out. I am a well-renowned, known author now. Um, the title of my book is called I've Been There. And basically in my book, I give the story out of biography of what I've been through um, in my life, starting at the age of four, uh, being molested and raped at 14, um, and being an early parent. Um, due to not receiving the efficient uh, counseling that was needed for me during that time. And so, yeah, that's about
0: me. All right, Dan. So let's talk about your personal journey of overcoming sexual abuse and how it led you to starting your organization.
1: Uh, so I went through the the process of keeping it to myself. Actually, I didn't, um, I didn't, really have anyone to talk to at that time due to the fact that I was the only girl that my mother had. I have four brothers. I'm in the middle and um, I was scared. I grew up in a home where my dad was very uh, verbally and physically abusive. And so I didn't want to talk to anyone about what my family members were doing to me. Um, I had family members on my dad's side and on my mom's side that was molesting me and um, a family member that raped me at 14. And so because of that and working with youth in the school system here and uh, being a youth pastor, I've always been around the youth and always wanted to shield and protect them, that mommy uh, that's in me. And so after writing my book, I was advised that maybe I should start an organization since that's my passion. And it is truly my passion to speak with parents, to let them know what to look for, and also uh, to give them training in regards to how to deal with uh, their child that may have been through this sexual abuse or domestic violence. I'm not a counselor, but we also refer parents um, to counselors and caregivers to counselors as well so our organization we uh we basically make sure that we have the resources for our counselors our teens and I mean for our um caregivers parents and our teens so yeah that's how it started Uh, just having after my book just having that you know that push that I needed to say hey let's go a little bit further and um I'm excited about it now
0: You've been through a lot, and I see that you've managed to overcome that. You mentioned something. You said you didn't get sufficient counseling as a child, and that's what led you to start this organization. So my question is twofold. What is sufficient counseling? And also you mentioned there are signs that parents should look out for. What are mm-hmm. those signs, and what is sufficient counseling?
1: Well, to me, sufficient counseling means that – that, that- person that has been through um the trauma, they need to seek counseling so that they'll know the steps to take, how to move from that devastating point in their life, and the steps to, to, to move from that and how they can handle it because there are triggers that will happen. Um, and if you not if you are not aware of how to uh maneuver when you get those triggers and be able to grow from them, then it can cause anxiety. It can cause you to have um, low self-esteem. It can cause you to, uh, basically it can cause you to shut down and not want to be a part of society. It can cause you to even have suicidal thoughts and uh, counseling will help you maneuver through that. I didn't have that because at that time, growing up in that age range, um, you know, it was always said, whatever's in the house stays in the house. Well, that's not true. Because whatever was in that house that was happening to me, I needed to get that out. And so I encourage people not to use that cliche because counseling is a very um is very uh, I would say priority when a person is has been um a horrific experience such as I have uh that it's just a lot better it's just a lot better I'm sorry I didn't I didn't um remember your next question what was that
0: what are signs that parents should look out for
1: mm-hmm. you- mm. so uh I offer a workshop to talk to parents and it's called parents real talk in this workshop, I advise parents things um, to look for, such as social media. Our youth are all over social media. They're playing games. They are um, They're building relationships with people, and they don't know who that person is that's on the other end. Not for real. They don't. Um, so you have pedophiles out there, male and female, that are coming into the social media realm with our youth. And they're acting as if they are around their age. And there are some significant signs that parents need to look out for, for when it comes down to their child, such as uh, if your child is very active, like they're in sports, they love to be around the family and have a good time. And then all of a sudden you notice that your child is starting to draw back. Some and be secluded in a a secluded place or they're no longer talking as much as they used to that is the sign that you want to look for in a child not that it's sexual abuse or trauma but you want to be observant to know when there's a change with your child good or bad you need to know when your child is changing right and so Mm -hmm. we also let the parents we talk to the parents about sexting And uh, let them know that when it comes down to our youth, our youth, they want the attention so bad that they are willing to do things that are inappropriate, and then they get bullied about what they've done and threatened if they don't do this or if they don't do that. Um, Also, we um, talk to parents in regards to how to have a better relationship with their child, with their children? What are some things, because there are some children that, that seem like they're just angry all the time. Uh, what is that? What is that about? Look deeper into that and let's talk about this. Um, So we give them avenues on how to have these conversations. I feel that it's better to have a conversation with an individual outside of the home. That takes away that comfortability And so now you're outside and now you're having a conversation. A pizza, going out for pizza and having pizza and having a nice conversation, talking about uh, blah, 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 and then easing easing into some concerns that you have is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. I know because I've actually done it with some people that I have counseled and we have gone out to eat. We've been to the movies. We've been to the park. And they just begin opening up because they feel free. They're not secluded in a, in a particular place. They're not like, oh my God, you know, they're feeling a little bit relaxed. And that's what we're trying to get our parents to understand when it comes down to our children. We want to make sure that as parents, we are open enough to say, I'm not going to rip and run in the street and to get this taken you know, care of our, our single parents. We let them know male or female because a lot of people think the stigma, let me say this, this is a stigma out there that it doesn't happen to males. And if it happens to a male, then you are considered to be a a gay person or a part of the LGBTQ. And that's not necessarily true. Or if it happens to a female, she's automatically a lesbian that is not true those are stigmas that are out there we need to get rid of those stigmas okay that's the first thing we need to get rid of that because that is that is hurtful um to bash someone like that and the person will not even come out and talk about what they've been through and they'll walk around in their whole life um Mad, angry, upset, and not even know why relationships will be broken or never developed, and uh, we're 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 bashing people because of a stigma, and it shouldn't be that way. But what I what I what I was going to say is that with the parents, we let them know um, that they it's important to be open with your child. Single parents, uh, male or female, when they're working in the society, their children are left alone. And that child has to um, continue with their life. And here it is, this family member is not in the home. And so if a coach, if a child is on a sports team and a coach says, hey, I noticed you're working your butt off. Let me take this child off your hands. I want this child to hang out with me and so on and so forth. They're doing a process called grooming and they're looking to see how they can manipulate the situation with this single parent home. And if this person has a lot of family support, that's one thing they look at. Okay, then if they got that family support, they back up. Um, if they seem like they're home all the time alone um they're willing and anxious to be um seen uh be in in everything then it turns out to be that they may move a little bit further and get into that child's space and then once that happens then that child becomes um they begin to threaten them in regards to some other things but we go really deeper than what I'm saying now but it 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 It's very important for our youth to know and our parents to know that it's not just a single family home, but it can be a joint family as well that a child is slipping. And we want the child to know the signs of someone that may be trying to um, groom them. And we want the parents to know what that looks like.
0: Yeah, the grooming thing is something that I think is just now starting to peek into the mainstream and like get mainstream, you know, conversation about, for example, you know, we have so many young people on social media, and they're just, you know, they're interacting with adults. And I feel like they should be like an age limit or something, or we need better rules for children on social media, they shouldn't be on Twitter and Facebook. There should probably be like a limit of 16. That, that's my guess. But I'm curious, what do you, what advice do you give parents when it comes to telling their children on how to behave on social media? Do you tell them to not get on social media at all? Do you have like any kind of rules or anything like that?
1: Um, so what what I tell parents when I talk with them is to make sure that you have access to see what they're doing. That mm-hmm. is a critical point. You're not violating their space. You're, you're not. You're caring for them in their space. OK, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. And so you need to have access to be able to follow up um, on what that child is doing. Um, you there is a guardian program that's out there that you can put on a child's phone so you can monitor where the child is going. That is critical because if they're hopping in a car with someone that you think you may know, but you haven't known them in a long time, I'm talking about this child, they're going out. I'm hanging out with Joey. And Joey is actually someone that a predator has set up to come and hang out with you. So if he's a part of this sex trafficking. And he's pulling, now he's pulling Bob in, and now he's getting ready to go down. It takes a little time. He's getting them used to him. And now he's going up the road. Well, that parent needs to know, where is my child going? So there's a guardian uh, program that you can put on the child's phone. And also uh, with that particular program, you can block on that phone some things that you don't want your child to be a part of, especially the younger ones that are in their preteen. They have access to so many things. And parents, you can block those sites. You can block it. I have an eight-year-old, my great-nephew. He's eight years old. He doesn't get on YouTube at our house. He gets on youth YouTube. He cannot get on adult YouTube. And because that's, we're protecting him. He doesn't need to go up there and go to all these different sites. And then when we're not watching, he's in the bedroom. Here he is floating on YouTube. That's not going to happen. You can put a code on YouTube for adults. And only when he cuts on YouTube and he clicks on it, he can't go into the adult YouTube. The same thing when it comes down to uh, TikTok. What is your child doing in the bathroom? Are they taking pictures of themselves? Are they dancing? What's happening? You need to be signed on to TikTok. There are rules that parents have to stand firm on. You're not your child's friend. You are a parent. You can be open. You can be honest with your child. But there, you in being open and honest with your child, you need to make sure they understand as a parent You want to make sure that you shield and protect them as much as possible because there are evil people out here who really don't care. They really don't care about you or your family. They want what they want. They want it now. And so there's a lot of money involved. We're talking about people that are on the bench. We're talking about uh, players and professional football players. We're talking about music artists these people have money and they can pull children just like this because of the non because of the education that they're receiving which is none they're not receiving the education to protect them they're college students we see this all the time they're being stalked these college students, the young adults, um, our organization teach the college students what to do, what to look for, how to protect themselves as they walk around this open campus. So we give them the steps and the avenues on what to do and how to handle if they even feel like someone is stalking them. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you do a lot. You're uh, helping to make the world a safer place. I really appreciate everything that you do. You know, the social media, um, it seems like a a predator's playground. And I don't think people really take it seriously as Mm -hmm. they should. Now, I want to talk uh, about, you mentioned about boys being sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like there has been an uptick in teachers, like sexually assaulting male students. It Mm -hmm. seems like every time I turn on the news, it's always another teacher sexually assaulting a student, and Absolutely. a lot of times, a lot of times it seems like it's you know young black boys being sexually assaulted. So my question is, how do we protect young uh, boys, not just black boys, but black, I mean boys in general? How do we protect black. them, and how do we help young boys heal from that sexual trauma?
1: They're our young, um, our young boys, they need mentors. They need mentors. They need male mentors in their lives. These young, these young men, they, they deal with so much um, stress of being a young man anyway. Um, And so we have to make sure that we, we offer them mentorship, males being very involved with them. There are a lot of programs that involve youth. And our our parents need to put our youth into those programs so that they can be active and be a part and see uh, as being a male where, you know, where they can go. It's not about a pride thing. It's not about a it's not about um, being on top of the world or anything like that.
0: Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast.
1: They need to have that done. They they need mentorship, and if a child has been through that and they are fearful of what the stigma is out there, they they will develop a uh, relationship with the uh, mentor, or they will learn how to uh, communicate by writing. Um, you can write it down. Um, it, it it's many ways that our young men can. Uh, feel comfortable. Um, I actually worked in a facility where the um, young boys, I volunteered there at the juvenile detention facility here in Charlotte before they closed it down. And there was a young man who told me that he was sexually assaulted. Now he's in this facility. He has anger issues. Why? If anyone would have just asked him, why is he so angry all the time? Um, maybe he may not have said, this is what happened. However, it may have opened a door for him to say, Hey, somebody's paying attention to me. Somebody's looking at me. Uh, and we have to be aware of that. Don't, don't tell our youth to our young boys to man up. No, that to me, I feel like that's a bit much. And I am a female and I know my husband, he doesn't say that unless, my nephew falls down outside or something like that. Safe <laughs> <Staying> man <laughs> up or whatever. But we don't know what this child has been through. We need more men on the field. We need more men on the field. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I want to ask what role does faith play in in your healing and what role can faith play in the healing of others? I know that you're a minister. Can you talk about your journey to become a minister? Did you seek to become a minister in order to aid you in this uh, endeavor of helping others? Or was there another reason that you became a minister?
1: Um, no, it was it was the call of God, of course. Um, he called me into the ministry. I didn't think that that was something that, um, I wanted to have a discussion with the father and tell him that's not something I wanna do. This is not me, this is not of me. You got the wrong Michelle. Uh, <laughs> Let me stay back here and I'll help however I can do. I don't want to be in the forefront. And so uh being hmm, When that calling came, um I I I was very in in involved in the church. Um once I was 16 and I tried to commit suicide because I didn't think I was worth anything. I had just given birth to my oldest son. And um, I became involved with the church and that family. It was a small church. And so I was introduced to a family of love where I came from a family of hate. Um, Now, my mom was a great woman, but she was being abused. So she had things going on and she couldn't cater to me. So this church being so small and so tight knitted, it really helped me out with um, growing as a young teenager should. Even though I had a child, I, I, I was able to uh, receive help and they really stepped in and they showed me how God shows us how to love someone. Don't judge them, but love on them and see what it is that you can do. And because that love came from them so heavily on me, I wanted to push that love right back out to whoever, because I've never hated any of the people who violated me. I've never hated them. Um, I've always had forgiveness when it came down to that. And a lot of people ask me, how did you, it was nobody but the father. It was nobody but God. I don't hate them. I am actually, if you don't forgive, it keeps you in bondage, okay? You're never going to be set free, You're gonna always think about it and replay it in your head. So that was part of the ministry that I have been a youth pastor at the time, talking to the youth, letting them know that love is real, love is strong. Don't go out here being promiscuous, trying to find love and it it becomes lust. And you know, I always share that with our youth. So faith is a big part of what I'm doing now. And I'm trusting God even the more because I am talking to people like you. I'm, I'm all over the world talking to people now. And I'm asking God to allow my voice, to allow me to continue to let people know that it's okay. Take a breath and let's move forward. And how are we going to do that? One step at a time.
0: How do you integrate your faith into your work with survivors of sexual abuse and have you ever p- received any pushback maybe from survivors who aren't really religious? And how do you navigate that?
1: I don't when I, okay. So what my organization is a nonprofit, but I do not um, discriminate. Okay. I don't discriminate even though I'm a believer. You may not be a believer. I don't throw Christ in anyone's face. Uh, I Even with the Juvenile detention Center, um, I did not talk about Christ or God or anything. They picked up on it themselves. They picked up on it with my conversation. So I've never received any pushback at all. Um, It's just that I I know how to say what I need to say. And um, I don't say it in a harsh manner. I mean, I, I let the word of God work through me, but there is a way to do it. You know, I'm not throwing the word of God in your face and God said and God this and and this is why I am the way I am, because I know how hard it is to be a teenager and a young adult. And so I share my testimonies um, quite a bit with them. And I just open up and just be real. I don't I don't fake the phone as they call it. I'm real with them. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you. Because I'm healed from it. God healed me. I didn't get the counseling. It was only God that counseled me. It was only God that delivered me from feeling worthless and having low self-esteem and wanting to kill myself. It was nobody but God. But today, I encourage people to get out there. God has placed counselors here for us. That's why we go to the doctor. And If we want to say, well, counselors are not any good, then why are you driving a car? A car is not any good. You trusted someone to make that car, and you got in that car. And you went to work. Why is it that you say a counselor's not any good? You go to the doctor when you're sick. We're flying to the doctor when COVID was happening. Everybody needed to get the shot. Well, if you feel that a counselor's not going to help you, why did you? What makes you think the shot was helping you? Just don't do that. You know, let's not make excuses. Let's go ahead and get this done. Stop telling people that counselors are only for psycho people and crazy people. And no. I have been to counseling as a grown woman on some issues, nothing to do with my past, but some things that has happened in my life. Um, I've been to counseling for it and I am a minister and I I love the Lord. I read my word of God, but there are some things that I need to get some steps on how to handle.
0: Yeah, Um, I know there are a lot of people who are apprehensive about going to counseling and opening opening up to strangers uh what, what advice would you give to those people who you know who are wary of counseling and therapy and things like that
1: i would say use your social media go on social media check it out um there are some sites that you can go to rain is one i'm a part of rain i would say go and check it out look it up put in um conversation go on youtube Conversations with a uh, with a, a a a counselor, a therapist, put those in and just look at it and see if this is something that you may want to do. You don't have to go into the office anymore. You know, now we have it where you can actually do it um, online. You can actually do and talk to them um, that way. I actually have done that in the privacy of my home. I, my When I was in counseling, I was actually able to do it in, in my own home. And so that may help as well. Um, there are many avenues. There is not an excuse as to why we can't get the help that we need. There's a lot of people out here that's willing to help, but you got to w- be willing to take that step.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you share a <laughs> success story from your work that highlights the positive impact of your advocacy?
1: Oh, absolutely. So um, I was talking to a group of young girls. And um, uh, so you see, our organization is unique. We don't just talk to girls, we talk to boys too. So it's unique. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was talking to a group of girls at a school. And uh, one of the questions I asked them was, you know, no, I put it out there scenario. So I was like, so what would you guys do if, you know, this guy is hitting you up and, and DMing you, talking about how fine you are in school and how, you know, he watches you on the A-Hall and you'll be walking past. You don't even know. He see you in the cafeteria, la, 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 la. And so I was just talking to him, So I asked the girls, I was like, so what would you do? Would you DM him back and be like, okay, let's hook up? Would you DM him back and be like, leave me alone? I don't know who you are. They mentioning some of your friends on campus. And so you're like, oh, I know them. And so the girls, I'm telling you, they were like, uh-uh, no. First of all, you're gonna meet me in the cafeteria if you want to see me and such And I say, what if they say, well, just we're gonna hang out? They all those girls were like, no, we're not hanging out. They're gonna get blocked. <laughs> it was so <laughs> nice. The feedback was great from those young ladies. And some of the we do a survey after I do a class, of course. You want to know how they felt. I have like dozens of surveys from our um, youth that said, I'm going to talk to my mom. Uh, I'm going to ask my dad about this, if this is true and why he ain't talked to me about it. I'm talking about for real, for real. These are what they're writing. And uh, one girl was like, this happened to me. I never told anyone. You've made me feel better. I'm going to tell my mom when I get home. And, this is something that I read when I when I finish up with my sessions and I'm like, "Wow. I have not gotten a survey back that says I hate you. Why did you even talk about this? Never, never ever."
0: That's awesome. How do you stay resilient and maintain your own well-being while engaging in emotionally challenging advocacy work? God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the I word, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's just the bottom line of a God. The word, uh, other saints of God, I'm telling them to pray for me because there are days I'm a human being, there are days where I feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some of those situations where you're talking to them, I was in college, I'm gonna tell you one of the things that my professor said, uh, a counselor needs a counselor,
0: yeah,
1: that is so true. And mm-hmm. so we we have to renew our strength daily, so yeah, that's how yeah, I do right.
0: it. I get it. Do you think that there are some changes that need to be made in our society in order to better protect children from sexual abuse? and uh, what are some things like maybe some laws or things like that that we could do to better protect children?
1: Yes, there are several a... things that we could do, like I mentioned earlier in regards to social media. Um, there should be a law put in place, actually, mm. in regards to social media, um, TikTok, your 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 all that facebooking and all of that. There should be a law that put that puts things in place where people not only can sign on freely with these uh, different types of um, social media sites. It should be something put in place where um, they have to actually submit something. You know, when we have to when we go to the bank and we open up a bank account, we have to submit our ID, our social security card. There should be some Mm. kind of chain that takes place when it comes down to people logging on to these sites and making sure they are who they are, even if it's a face clip or something, something should be happening. Um, Also, um, Congress, they're fighting about the wrong things in my opinion. Our children are dying and they're suffering and they want to put money over here. Um, They want to raise taxes. They want to go and get this done and that. What about our youth? What about our young adults? They need assistance and we need to be more resilient in getting assistance for our youth, letting them know this topic is not a topic that is talked about in the White House. Okay, they're not arguing about this. They're not shutting down, saying we call, they're talking about someone who spent too much money over here, uh, someone who's treated somebody out of money over there. But what about someone who's taken someone's innocence? What about those people? What about the ones that are missing and the parents haven't seen them since they were maybe nine or 10? And now it's been 20 years later, they still don't know where that child is. What about that? When is an argument gonna break out? When is there gonna be a protest that break out about that? It's coming real soon from me. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming real soon from me. I am looking into doing just that. If you can yeah. say that Black Lives Matter and Youth Matter, we're we're, we're gonna. We're, it's coming. It's coming. I'm looking into that. I have never been a person who would like to get a lot of attention. That's not me. But uh, with this situation, I'm so passionate about it that I'm willing to go 120 miles on this, a thousand miles, you know, I'm ready to hit the moon.
0: Yeah, I feel you. You know, man, it kind of feels like our elected officials just don't care. You know, it feels like their priorities are anything uh, dealing with like corporations and like business and the war and things like that. Everything else is secondary. I'm at the point now where I just, I, I don't even think it's worth to really engage with them. I okay. could be wrong, but yeah. you know, so that being said, what, what's the final word? What's something that you really want to impart to the listener that we haven't touched on already?
1: Well, I know that my book says joy comes in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're ready to get that joy, you'll make that move. Someone told me that because I I was asking about uh, my mom passed away and I kept going through the cycle of her death. Everybody grieves differently. And they said, whenever you're ready to make that next move, I'm right here with you because your joy will come when you're done uh, with your morning. Uh, The best way to get started with that is to take deep breaths. I always say this on everyone I talk to, take you some deep breaths, write a letter to the person that offended you. And once you finish with that letter, I want you to burn it, tear it up, shred it, because that's a step that you just took to put down all the things that happened to you. That was the very first step you took. Now that you've done that, you can start moving forward. Yes, you can. If you are looking at me, I dropped out of school. I went back to school and got my GED. And I said, that's not even enough. I had three children, three. And here it is. I am 18, 19 with three children, going to school, getting my GED. People told me I wasn't even going to make it. They said, how is it that you have three children? You're going to be on welfare. You're going to be receiving assistance. Um, They didn't think that I was going to be successful. I went to college. I received my degree in theology and pastoral ministries. Um, Now I'm an author and I have my own organization. I am living proof that even though you went through hell in your life, you can have heaven on the other side if you want it. You can have it.
0: it. Hey, God is good. So where can people go to find out more about your organization and your book?
1: Yeah, they can go to my website. It's U-N-B-R-K-F-T-H. It's the initial for unbreakablefaith.com. If they go there, their information is all there about my book. Um, if they want to subscribe to the newsletter, they can. I'm also on YouTube. Um, as well as Unbreakable Faith. I'm on Facebook. You can DM me, talk to me. I don't mind. I'm an open book. Hey, reach out to me. Let me know you heard what I said. And, you know, I'll also uh, offer on the show today that if someone reaches out to me, Isaac, I will actually send them my book for
0: free. Awesome. All right, then. That's that's a, That's a great offer. This has been a great conversation. I've really learned a lot. And uh, I think my listeners will, too. Uh, thank you for the work that you do. And uh, you. keep on keep on doing what you do. We need more people like you in the world. Um, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank,
1: thank you, you for no having problem. me on the show. I appreciate that.
0: No problem. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. You enjoy the rest of your evening.
1: All right. You, too. Thank you. You,
0: too.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, We can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.